In our study through the Bible, today we come to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is the only book in the Bible that really sees everyone on earth, whether they're standing on Times Square on New Year's Eve or in church on Sunday. Everyone, according to the book of Proverbs, is in one of two categories. There are the wise and there are the foolish. And we all fall into one of those two categories, and we're all moving in one of those two directions. It's a great day, New Year's Day, to open the book of Proverbs. I learned from Billy Graham a pattern, a habit. Billy Graham, for 30, 40, 50 years, has read through the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs every month. That means hundreds of times. I've done that for years. Reading through the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs every month. You see, there are 150 Psalms. So you divide that by five a day, and you read through the entire book of Psalms in the month. You take the book of Proverbs, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Divided by the month, one proverb a day, five psalms a day, and you will read through psalms and proverbs in a month. Some read five consecutively, some read the first, add 30, read the 31st, add 30, read the 61st. You can use whatever pattern you want. But this year, our Bible reading schedule... And they're available in the lobby if you don't have yours from the past few weeks we've been distributing them. We're going to be finishing our study through the entire Bible in the month of June. So in the month of July through the end of the year, we have that pattern to read through the book of Psalms and Proverbs each month as we finish 2012. So since we're going to finish there, we thought it would be a great place to begin the year. In the book of Proverbs. Fools or the wise. This is one that's interesting. It's one of the most tender books to me. Because God has used the book of Proverbs to shape my life, I believe, more than any other book of the Bible. It has corrected me more. It has rebuked me more. It has put me in my place more. When I was in high school, I read the book of Proverbs. For some reason, I had a thirst for wisdom. It had to be from God. I would read in my spare time, not the comic books that my dad would draw and write, but I would read Bartlett's famous quotations. And when I discovered there was a book of Proverbs, I gave up Bartlett's and I gave myself to reading and rereading the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1. God used it to deliver me from peer pressure when I was in high school. Proverbs chapter 1 says, Do not throw in your lot when the sinners and the people try to entice you. Come and throw your lot in with us. We will do this and this and this and this. 
And God used that to lop off peer pressure and the fear of man from my heart when I was in high school. And then, my son, do not despise your father's discipline. And do not forget your mother's teaching. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And as much as I hated at times my father's discipline, it was Proverbs that got the upper hand on me and delivered me from rebellion against my own parents. I read in Proverbs, the eye that mocks its father or scorns to obey its mother will be picked out by the ravens and eaten by the vultures. I read that and I thought, I've looked at my father with a mocking eye, but I don't want to have my eye picked out and eaten. Good grief. So God used that to deliver me from that rebellion in my heart. And then I started making money. Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your income. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be brimming over with new wine. Well, I didn't drink wine, but I didn't mind my barns brimming over. I thought, I want that. So I immediately, as a young guy, as soon as I started making money, honoring God with my resources. And then I'd go through difficult times. And it says in chapter 3, Do not despise the Lord's discipline or lose heart when you are chastened by Him. And I took that to heart. And God used that in my life to weather many storms. Oh, the book of Proverbs has been so rich in shaping my own life. The book of Proverbs mentions, and it's laced throughout, fools, fools. It almost is like Mr. T. You fool. You fool. Pity the fool. You hear a little Mr. T in the book of Proverbs. There's actually four different words for fools in the book of Proverbs, and they're in your notes this morning. They're four different Hebrew words. The first is the simple fool. The simple fool is one, it says, for giving prudence to the simple. That's what Proverbs is there for. Proverbs is to give wisdom to the simple fool. That's the same word of every child. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Even Lily and Gracie. It's true. Folly is in there. We all have some fool in us. It's bound up inside us. And that's where discipline, the rod of discipline, drives it from us. So the simple fool is the first level. We're, and we've all been there. The second is the self-satisfied fool. Fools hate knowledge. It's the most commonly used word for fool in the book of Proverbs. That word is used 41 times. The third is the hardened fool. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. They hate it. They don't want anything to do with it. That's the a deeper level of fool. It's the third level. And then the deepest of all, the worst off, 
is the dogmatic fool. Arrogant lips are uh, insulted to a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Ultimately, the book of Proverbs exposes fools for who they are and elevates wisdom as the only appropriate solution for our foolishness. Now, with those four levels of fools, there are four responses. If you encounter the first level, a simple fool, the response you're to have is to teach and to train that person. Fools die for lack of knowledge. That's the simple fool. The best thing we can do is to teach them, to instruct them. And that's what parents' role is in those of us that are parenting in the spiritual realm of discipling and making disciples. We're to teach the simple fools. The second fool, again, the self-satisfied. This we are able to rebuke, but only once or twice. There is hope if they respond to the rebuke. In one chapter of the book of Proverbs, it says, rebuke a fool and he will grow in wisdom. That's the fool that's being referred to here. But you, a few verses later it says, rebuke a fool and he will hate you. It's because it's a different fool. And the, the word is actually different in the Hebrew, even though in the English it's translated the same. The third level is the hardened fool. And those you do not rebuke and you never hire. If you think you can help somebody out by hiring a fool, you are mistaken. You need to rebuke them. If they repent, then you can hire them, perhaps, maybe after they've proven themselves. But the worst thing in the world as an employer is to hire a fool. And I don't want to get off on any individuals. Although I might get pulled off sides on this one. But last night, I just, you know, you have the television on because you want to see what's happening in the world on New Year's Eve. We saw more fools in 45 minutes than I've seen all year. Are, are you feeling me? What, what is going on? Well, you're, aren't you glad you're here this morning and we can set the record straight? They may be making big bucks for their appearances and selling a lot of records and doing a lot of downloads, but the majority are fools. Let me quickly say, what we need are Christian young people to be raised up to enter the arts and the media who are excellent but are wise, who can take the wisdom of God out into the workplace, out into the media. Okay, I'm going to start preaching here if you don't watch out. And the final fool, the dogmatic fool, the Bible says to avoid. Now, you can love them, but don't ever try to fight fire with fire. You never confront a fool in his folly. The Bible says that. Now, you can love him, bring him Christmas cookies, mow his lawn, do good. But you're gonna, God's gonna open the back door, not the front door. If you know what I mean. 
You're not going to confront them head on. You're not going to tell them this lifestyle you've got is foolish. No, he's not going to listen to you, not if he's a fool. It doesn't mean you cut them off, but you need to love them differently. And whatever you do, you don't hire them. Proverbs is written for two groups of people. It's written for the young and the teachable. Now, I'm not young anymore, but I'm teachable. So, hopefully we all qualify. If you're young, Proverbs is for you. I know you're not all sitting over here, but I'm going to come over here anyway. If I could tell you to do one thing for the next ten years, it would be to immerse yourself in the book of Proverbs. You want to be wise. You want to go to the, the head of your wherever you're going. You want to do it better. You want to be excellent. And you want to be strong so that there's something of value, of lasting value. Not just a flash in the pan. Get into the book of Proverbs. God wants you wise. And the book of Proverbs is there for you. I'm thankful for every proverb I've memorized. How often it comes in handy. In fact, I want to give you, this is not in your notes, but grab a piece of paper. You might want to write this down. There's five ways to read the book of Proverbs. Number one is read it like you're looking in the mirror. Number one is looking in the mirror. And see yourself. See yourself as either young or teachable. See yourself as the wise person who's coming to see yourself in the book. And this is why all of us can find ourselves in the book if we're teachable. It's written for the teachable. And that's why it says over and over again, my son, my son, my son. It's not a generic my son, or it is a generic. It's not, it's not a gender specific my son. It's for all of you who are willing to learn from the wise. To see ourselves as in a mirror. Number two, like looking through binoculars. It says in Proverbs 7, 7, at the window of my house I looked out. And there is a looking out through the book of Proverbs to see and to see those that are foolish and to see those that are wise. I was reading through the book of Proverbs. I was in a pattern reading every day for months. I was at a wedding. I didn't perform the wedding, but I was at the reception. And every guy in the room was looking at this one gal who was dancing. She had on, she was only one of about a hundred people out on the dance floor, but she had on a plastic dress with three inch round, uh, see-through holes in the dress. It was plastic. And so everything else was white, but there were strategically placed round holes that you could see clear through. If you get the picture. Every guy at my table was kind of, you know, he'd talk to his wife and then he'd be over here like this. And one of the women at the table said to me, Fred, what do you think of that gallon on the dance floor? I said, oh, I hadn't noticed. Just kidding. I said, I said, like a gold ring and a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. It's true. It's true. Proverbs gives you a grid to think through, to see what is real. I'd love for you to 
to, to screen the listen, the music you listen to and the artists that are out there according to who's wise and who's a fool. It'll change your perspective. Number three is to read it like you're reading the newspaper. Like reading, wisdom cries aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. Like extra, extra, read all about it. Read Proverbs like the newspaper to get a read on what's going on around you. Proverbs is as current and relevant today as it has ever been. Now, you remember when we began this study, I've encouraged everyone to read with three color pens when you read the Bible. Black is for... We're not going on unless you get this. Because I know my family will know the answer. Black is for commands or things God tells us to do. Now, this you definitely need to write down so you get it right next time. Red is for promises, things God said He's going to do for us. And then blue is general information. Now, the book of Proverbs is incredible. Black, red, black, red, black, red, black, red. Just follow with me Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. That's black. It's what we're to do. Then listen to this. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. What is that? That's red. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What is that? It's black. I'm not going to give you the answers. I need you to listen and get these. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Red. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And He will direct your steps. Red. In all your ways. Okay. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. That will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. It goes on and on. You see the interplay between the way we live and the way we are blessed. When our behavior lines up with what God is saying, so will the fruit and benefits of His blessing. It's the interaction between what God is calling for and the blessing He wants to give to us. When we do what He tells us to do, He will do what He promises us He will do. Proverbs is full of all of that. So we read it like we're reading a newspaper because it is so relevant. Number four, read the Bible like you're talking to a counselor or an advisor. Read the book of Proverbs like you're looking for advice. That's what it's there for. It's got way more wisdom right there than any counselor or therapist you could ever visit. 
Like lying on a therapist's couch, you can read the book of Proverbs and get the insight that you need for your daily decisions. And number five, read the book of Proverbs on your knees. Read it to see the Lord. It is a book in which we encounter God. It's amazing how often the book of Proverbs calls us to the Lord. So often today, the book of Proverbs has merely been relegated to being pithy sayings, probabilities that will make you more successful at whatever you do. You'll be more successful as a business person. You'll be more successful as a husband or wife or child or parent. You'll be more successful in your leadership. If you and I take the book of Proverbs and simply look at it as a self-help book, we have taken what God intended to be sacred literature, and we've secularized it. We've reduced it to nothing more than good advice. You and I are living in a day when one of the most uncommon things in all the world is common sense. This book is full of common sense, but it's so much more. Now, the one verse I want to zero in on in our moments remaining is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all things, guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs is big on heart. Listen to this. Seventy-nine times the word heart is used in the one book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The heart. Give your heart to seek wisdom. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Apply your heart to understanding. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If I, uh, a cheerful heart is good medicine, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Do not lust for her in your heart. All the stuff on heart in the book of Proverbs is summarized in this one verse. Above all else, guard your heart. And there are three ways I want to apply this to us today. Number one is go deep. In 2012, go deep. Do not live superficially. Do not live on the surface. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. In all your New Year's resolutions, frankly, your cholesterol level, your fat content in your body is not as important as your heart. Some of us have already made New Year's resolutions about giving up this, giving up this, giving up that. What have you done for your heart? Above all else, guard your heart. Oh, I think of that man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Even coming out of Christmas, 
Christmas can be so superficial. We give gifts to make ourselves look better on the outside. What about the heart? No, when, it, when, when he says here, above all else, guard your heart, he, he wants to go deep. You cannot follow Jesus and remain superficial. Jesus wants to take you deep. Go deep. Get beneath the surface. Second, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So keep pure. Keep pure. Keep pure. In 2012, keep pure. I wish I could look every one of you in the eyeballs this morning and say, keep pure. I wish God could burn it in your heart. Keep pure. As I look around this room, how many of us are going to fall this year into immorality, into impurity? On this, the first day of the new year, God wants to put it in your heart. Keep pure. Keep pure. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It's deceitful. The heart. The Bible says that God is a cardiologist and He is the original open heart surgeon. He says, I will take out your heart of stone and put within you a heart of flesh. I will write my law on your heart. How is it possible for God on the one hand to say, the heart is deceitful above all things, and on the other hand say, love the Lord your God with all your heart? If the heart is so deceitful, how is it possible to, for us to love Him with all of our hearts? And the answer is because there's a Redeemer. There's a Redeemer who takes out the heart of stone and puts within us a heart of flesh so that we can keep pure. He who covers his sin, this is in the book of Proverbs, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses it and forsakes it will find mercy. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. May this be a year that God ferrets out those old sins so that you don't have to live the rest of your life, let alone the rest of this year, in bondage to sin. Guard your heart. Stay pure. I've got to say this. If you are a pre-married person, or an unmarried person, I want to say to you, if you are a virgin... Guard your heart. Don't let the devil destroy your moral purity. Not this year. And if you're not a virgin, listen to me, don't live in the past. We have a Redeemer who takes out stony hearts, puts in hearts of flesh. Guard your heart. Though our sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Someone say snow. Snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He takes our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. 
Guard your heart. Don't live in sexual brokenness. This new year, may it be a new beginning for you to guard your heart. Keep pure. Go deep. Keep pure. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And finally, get close. Get close. No, when it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search it out is the glory of man. Think about that. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of man to seek it out. Get close. Don't say, oh, I just can't figure that out. Go after it. Or in the book of Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run to it are safe. What is it when we run to the name of the Lord? Seek Him out. Get close. Resolve today that I'm not going to live this year staying as far away from the Lord as I can. I'm going to get close this year. I want to press in. I want to run to the name of the Lord. Above all else, guard your heart. God wants you close. The beauty of the book of Proverbs is that there's a battle going on in life. There's the voice of the fools, and there's the voice of wisdom. The fools are a dime a dozen. Wisdom is singular. Now, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is portrayed in the female, Lady Wisdom. It's close, but you can get closer. It's good to portray things in ways that we can all identify. But behind the woman in Proverbs is the origin. Now, it was Solomon who was brilliant in so many ways, who wrote the book, the majority of it. He was a botanist, a zoologist. He knew horticulture. He knew economics. He was majored in poli-sci. I mean, he had it all. Law, systems, military, finance. When he wrote the book of Proverbs, he laid it out there as clearly as he could, referring to Lady Wisdom. But behind that wisdom is Christ. It said of Jesus as a baby, he grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. When he taught as an adult, it was said of him that he... Everyone was amazed at the wisdom and authority with which he spoke. But then Paul comes 
And Paul says Christ has been made to us wisdom. And He is the one even spoken of in Isaiah as the Wonderful Counselor. So above and beneath and beyond the wisdom of Proverbs is the wisdom incarnate of Christ who we see throughout the book of Proverbs. But seeking wisdom who calls out in the street is to seek Christ. To know Christ. To walk with Christ. Above all else, guard your heart. Go deep. Go beyond the surface. Keep pure. Morally pure. In what you say, in what you listen to, in what you look at. Guard your heart. And get close. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. That's where the worship flows from. And that's what the Lord wants. Worship team, if you would come and prepare, and if those serving communion would position yourselves, it's our time to respond to the Lord this morning. To center ourselves under Christ. And I want to encourage you, as you come, some will come this morning in repentance. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. You don't need to carry the excess baggage into the new year. If you're in a relationship that you know is foolishness, the Lord and I call you right now to repent. Today's a day to burn some bridges for some of us. Burn bridges. Don't allow an escape hatch from the path of righteousness. God wants to call you today to give Him your heart and to resolve to guard your heart. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, You don't know what it is to have that stony old heart taken out and the heart of flesh to be put back in. And you want a heart of flesh. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, You know my heart. You know the way I've lived. You know my lifestyle. You know my birthplace. You know every place I've ever laid my head. Today, Lord, I come to You. And I see You as my Redeemer. And I ask You to take out that heart of stone and to give me a heart of flesh. Forgive me of my sin. Deliver me from my wicked ways. That I might live for You and in Your love all the days of my life.